He died for you. He died for me. From our sin, He set us free. He loved us so. His life He gave. So if we ask, we can be saved. Hello, I'm Rick Hurtless, founder of His Gospel Power. Thank you for joining with our program this week. We are entering into another exciting week. We are in exciting times. These are the last days. This is, these are messages about the last days, and we are studying the book of First Peter, second chapter. We're in the 13th verse. We have a lot to talk about this week, so I don't know how much I'll get done in today's program if you're listening on Sunday. And of course, if you're listening to today's program on Sunday, then uh, you're not getting the message in its entirety. Once it ends, if you will go to hisgospelpower.org and... Uh, you can listen to today's messages. You can do that on Monday. And it and I, I have the entire week's messages coming up on His Gospel Power. So you can, if you're listening today, which is Sunday, then uh, you can go tomorrow. It will finish this message. And sometimes if this message seems like it's not quite finished when we finish, it's because we're limited on time on the Spirit Network Radio. But I'm not limited on any time on my website and on our app. So if you don't have our app, then make sure that you go and get our app at iTunes or Google, or you can join us again tomorrow on the website, hisgospelpower.org. Click on today's program, and then you can stay abreast with all the entire study of Second Peter. And of course, we've been doing this now for several weeks, and uh, the same with Matthew or any of the other studies that we've done. If you have are only listening on Sunday, you're just getting a very small part of this study and these messages. We are taking the books line by line and uh, word by word. So that's the only way to study the Word of God. If you're studying the Word of God, a verse here and a verse there, and you grab over another verse over here and you grab one there, well, you're getting a little bit of the of the Word, but you're really not getting the good picture, the big picture. You're not getting the picture that God wants you to have. So what you need to do as you are reading the Word if you are serious about learning about the Word, you need to make sure that you take it in its context and in its entirety. And, of course, the context begins with the entire Word of God, okay? So the context does not begin with only the uh, the one book that you're reading. So you have to put the context in the entire Word of God. And then next, of course, you have to put it into the book that you're reading. And then, of course, next, then you bring it down to that line that you are reading as you break it down even more and more so that you can learn more about God. But just make sure that you, if you take Scripture out of context, then you will never learn the truth, the overall truth, that God wants you to learn in his word. And in fact, that is exactly what is happening in today's society, in America and around the world for that matter. It's not only America, but around the world, they take little scriptures from here uh, time to time and try to make them, and, and, tr and they're really forming the church. I was going to say they're trying to form the church, but they're not. They are forming the church because the church has no backbone to stand on the entire word of God. So they will hear a word like judge not lest you be judged. Well, the the church believes that. 
And that's not really true. That's not in the context of Scripture. We've already talked about in uh, Timothy, we talked about that a few weeks ago, to where we are to judge those within the church. If they're calling themselves Christians, and that includes our officials, our anybody in authority, if once they call themselves a Christian, they become under Christian scrutiny. So that they, the Bible tells us that we are to expel the wicked from among us. God judges those outside the church, he says, but we are to judge those inside the church. And that doesn't, that doesn't just mean your church. God's talking about the church. So if you are, are listening to someone who calls himself a Christian and does not act like a Christian, i.e., I'm going to go ahead and put a name on it, Barack Obama. When Barack Obama's in office, he ran around and said, well, I'm a Christian, but none of his actions fit with Christianity. At that point, we had to expel him from the church. We should have formally expelled him from the church. Some with backbone actually did expel him from the, the, the church. Franklin Graham took a stand against Barack Obama and, uh, and did not honor him as a church member. He kept honoring him as a president because we're commanded to do that. But even that, we're going to get into that today, into that study. Even that has its limitations as to how much we are to honor someone in authority, okay? So we are to honor those in authority, but there's a limitation on how long and and to what extent we honor those in authority. So we're going to get into today's scripture, and it is in uh, 1 Peter, the second chapter, 13th verse. We're not going to get very far, actually, because it's going to require quite a bit of discussion just in the first couple lines. It says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as a supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. This is, this scripture is loaded, uh, for, for information. As you, you first, you read the first part, it says, to submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. Okay? Because we are Christians, we want to make sure we obey the laws of, of the land. Whether to the king or to the supreme authority, it doesn't matter, or the governors, who are sent by him for punishing those who do wrong. And now we're about to get into into some of this study. We're going to find out that our rulers are actually the ones who are doing wrong. And we, as our government, we, we, are, are, uh, we are a democracy. So we have a voice. The people have a voice. Now, the people's voice, unfortunately, has been disregarded for years and years and years. And most of what is going on right now is that the people had the audacity to stand up against the elite and vote for Donald Trump and put him in office. And that's really what's going on around right now, is that the people rose up and said, no, no more. We're putting this man, we we think that he's going to get in and do our will instead of men's own will. Well, let me uh, continue with you. Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to bring Brother Ron Stortle into the discussion for just a few moments uh, as we have just a few minutes left in today's broadcast. Brother Ron, 
submit yourselves to, to uh, for God for the sake of the Lord to God's authority. I mean, to the authority of men. But but what extent do we stop and say, wait a minute, you are no longer doing God's what God has has told you to do. In fact, you are doing wrong. Yes, and the the easy way to look at this is. As long as those rulers are obeying God and his principles, we are to obey them because they are appointed by God. And you can even look at even the evil rulers. They're still put there by God either as a a punishment to a nation or a blessing to a nation. So if you have an evil ruler, maybe your, your city, your county, your state, even the nation needs to look at how they're responding to God as a result of why they have that person in power. But like you said, what they put in place as far as laws only goes as far as obeying God. So if they put laws in place that disobey God, of course at that point we don't have to obey those immoral laws because you're not going to obey a law that makes you sin, because then at that point, you become liable for your actions. And of course, now, here's the thing. When you are in the country that has bad laws, like America, I mean, I'm just going to say it like it is. There might be some that don't want to hear this, but that, you know, you have, it's, you're going to have to get into reality at one point in time. Uh, We have laws right now that are not for God. They go against God. If we are going to live in this country, to some degree, we have to submit to those laws, okay? In other words, well, take let, let's just look at, at Matthew chapter 14 very quickly. Matthew chapter 14, 3, John the Baptist, we've talked about this before, but it's a great example of this. John the Baptist, it says, Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guest and pleaded Herod so much, for Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother's wife, whom he had married. So so, uh, John was saying that it was unlawful. That's what John the Baptist said. It is unlawful for you to marry your brother's wife. Well, so John stood against the law. However, at that point, you have to have the courage, you have to have the backbone to to receive the ramifications. There may be ramifications for you to stand on what's right. And of course, with John the Baptist, we know, if you you know the Bible at all, that uh, there was ramifications. He lost his head. He died because he... He stood for the belief, uh, for God's word. He stood for that. He spoke the law of God against the laws of man. And, of course, he was he was uh, persecuted for that. He lost his life. Yes, and in in modern day, the way we can look at this is, and it's been all over the news, as Christians, we don't believe homosexuality is is lawful under God's law. So these companies that are standing up against homosexuality, and I know we've discussed this, where abortion, homosexuality, they're not laws. They're just accepted by our nation now because of Supreme Court decisions. But companies that stand up against supporting homosexuality in their businesses are being persecuted. Well, they're doing the right thing, even though they're going against the accepted 
laws of the land, to put it simply. But they're they're obeying God, and their repercussions are they're being attacked for it by the government, by society. But as you see in the end, in most of these, they're they're being exonerated, and of course they're being blessed by God because of their stance that they're taking. But that's where you can stand up. Where you have to be careful on where you stand up is in is taking it to the extent that you start committing criminal offenses against God's will to to stand up against that. Well, and if you want to hear the rest of this discussion, you're going to have to to uh, tune in uh, in the program tomorrow because we're going to get into this even more. But the irony of what you're saying is that they're standing really the ones who are standing on the law are the ones who will not accept homosexuality. They're standing on American law. It's called the Constitution. Constitutionally, they have the freedom to say, I don't agree, and yet they're being persecuted for it. So really, the one, the homosexuals, that uh, homosexual marriage that was just said is a law, which it's, it does not say it's a law. We've talked about that. We do not legislate from the, from the bench. We legislate from uh, the legislative branch. And so it is not truly a law. However, it has been treated as a law because the the, uh, the Congress does not have the backbone to say, wait a minute, this is not a true law. We need to make sure that the, uh, the um, Supreme Court can understand the law. Let's rewrite it so where they can understand it and they can interpret it correctly because they really interpreted it wrongly. However, the, the, like I said, the irony is is that those people who are going against the homosexual marriage are using their constitutional rights to disagree, and they're the ones getting in trouble. And so uh, that is, that's the irony of the whole situation. Okay, continuing on, I want to reiterate that to submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. Now, we've already talked about that. Of course, whether King... Or the supreme, as the supreme authority, or the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong. In other words, you can't just say, "Well, I'm going to obey the president, but I'm not going to obey the governor," or "I'm going to obey the governor, but I'm not going to obey the mayor." You can't, you can't delineate between who you want to follow, who you're going to submit to. God is saying that as long as they're under His rule and under His law, that we are going to follow each one of them. And and I'm not trying to change the scripture here. And in fact, I know that I'm not changing the scripture to where if we, because of other scriptures, the context of the scripture is that when man's law goes against God's law, I can no longer obey. If man's law tells me to go kill innocent people or abort innocent babies, if you will, uh, you can, you can go down the list and it's against God's law. I, I cannot obey that. Now, I have to be willing to accept the ramifications, as I've already stated that, that uh, that if I'm going to go against the laws of the land or the authorities, whether they're right or wrong, that's not the point at that point. I'm going to stand for God. Daniel was told that he could no longer pray, but he knew that he was honoring God, not men, and so he still prayed. And you know... He didn't close his doors, he didn't close his windows and do it in secret either. He left everything wide open so people could see that he was obeying God. And so that is what God requires of each of us, is that we are are uh, uh, standing firm 
that we are not cowering in the corner and obeying him, but we are standing up and obeying God and speaking out. We have, you know, do you realize, and uh, Christians, listen to me, in this land, you are not breaking the law if you stand up and speak out against injustice. That's part of our Constitution. It's called freedom of speech. We are allowed by law to speak in the public about things that we don't agree with. We're allowed to do that. It's the law. So you can't sit around and tell me, well, I can't speak against that because I'm breaking the law. You are not breaking the law. You are cowering to those who say you're breaking the law to try to keep you under submission. But you're not breaking the law. How could you be? As long as you are peacefully speaking out against injustice, and, and injustice would be breaking God's law, okay, by the way. Uh, so as long as you're speaking out against injustice, you're not breaking the law. You're honoring the freedom of speech in America. Brother Ron Stoyle, uh is still, of course, here with us. This is the second half of Sunday's program. So uh, obviously you're listening to this on Monday, and uh, so you're catching the second half. So Brother Ron Stoidel is still in the studio with me. Brother Ron, uh, submit yourself to the Lord, uh, to the Lord's authorities, but more importantly to that is submit yourself to the Lord. Yes, and we were talking about this in our last program, that God puts honorable leaders in place, and that's in verse 14, it describes that, where it says, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. So if you have a leader that is promoting good laws and good ideas and good philosophies, by Scripture we are to support them and obey those laws. He doesn't say those that are sent by Satan that we have to obey them. Now, they may put some good laws in place, and of course we have to obey those because they still follow his commandments, so we have to obey those. But if those people are putting laws or interpretations of laws in place that are unbiblical, then we don't have to obey them according to this scripture. I think uh, I think we may even have the obligation to stand up because, see, we allow those laws to remain when... When prayer in school was said, well, we can no longer pray in school because the Supreme Court said so, we did not stand up. We did not rise up. We allowed that to stand when, in fact, we should have gone to our elected officials and said, hold it, make a new law then, and fix this so they can understand that we are to have prayer in schools. Well, the the church, the Christian church, are the only people that would be offended by laws that offend Christianity. If... There are, there are a lot of good people out there that aren't Christians. So when these laws are made, they don't offend those people because they don't have a moral conviction to stop them. They will just go along with whatever the government says until it really impedes on what they want to accomplish in life. So if they don't worship God and read the Bible, if a law is passed or an interpretation of a law that says, we're taking prayer out of schools, well, they may be good, but if they don't do it anyways, why would they care? So it really is the obligation of the church to stand up and say, this is wrong, we don't agree with it. And there are enough good Christians in this nation that if we all did our due diligence and actually stood up to the government, 
they, I believe they would actually reverse their ways, but the church has failed because, as we've talked about in previous episodes, people's fear of government is larger than their fear of God. So they have become more concerned about what the world and the government thinks of them than what God is going to ultimately think of them. And that's where they have their their mentality backwards because most people are a visual, they're visual. So if I can see a government, if I can see the punishment here on earth that's going to come upon me, but I can't see the punishment that that God's going to bring upon me because that's what they think is going to be in the future, then they're going to resort to what they can see and can feel immediately. And that's that's where, as Christians, you need to learn that your eternal punishment is bigger than whatever you're going to receive here on earth. And, and a lot of the times, some of these things that are going on, as if it wasn't so sad, it'd be laughable. It really kind of is. I'm looking at this this pentagram that's being put up in Florida. Uh, well, I was reading the headline, and you're going to love this. The, the the headline says, In Satan We Trust, Atheist in Florida Plans Six-Foot Metal Pentagram in City Park for Christmas Season. Well, I thought atheists were atheists. I thought they didn't believe in any God. And uh, instead, this one says, In Satan We Trust. So in other words, he believes in God. His God is Satan, of course. And of course, I think you would find that really atheism is actually satanic anyway. They, they, um, do believe in a God. But I, I read a little bit more under the caption underneath it. It says, a Florida member of the Freedom From Religion Foundation says that he plans to erect a large pentagram in the city park this December. Well, it's freedom from religion, but if you are worshiping Satan, is that not a religion? And and I guess you could take it one step further. If you're an atheist, basically you're worshiping yourself, which also is an is a religion. So so you can see a lot of what is going on. And actually, I think our authorities, even though we have freedom of speech, um, they should have den- he has to get some sort of a permit to put this up. They should have denied him the permit because it goes against our Constitution. Our Constitution says, in God we trust, that our laws are based on in God we trust, not Satan we trust. So when whenever you have a business or you have any kind of an organization, you have a Constitution so that your people in your organization have to abide by your constitutional rules. Uh, and in this case, constitute, in the case of America, constitutional laws. And the, and if anybody's gonna do anything within that organization, it has to go along with the constitution that they have put up. Well, our constitution says that we will worship God. So this man is absolutely going against the constitution. He should not have been allowed to get a permit to put this up in the first place. So that means that our authorities are already doing something wrong. Now, I read a little bit more, and I've found that somebody has run over, <gasps> gasp, somebody has run over this uh, this display, hallelujah. Uh, now, is that a right approach to it? I don't know. I don't know what the right approach to it. There was a, a pastor there that said if he puts it up, that he's going to take a sledgehammer to it. Maybe somebody beat him to it and ran over it with a car. Maybe the pastor ran over it with a car. I don't know. Would a better approach have been, 
to get 50 or 100 or 300 people out there um, standing around praying around the pentagram and then then let the Lord remove it. I don't know. You know what? I don't really know what the what the uh, proper approach to this pentagram is. That that would be something you have to have the Holy Spirit talk to you about. But my point is, it should never have been allowed in the first place. Our authorities went against our own constitution to do it. Yes, and if you look at, I know this is probably a city park, so the city can give permits to whoever they want. But if you look at what the Constitution says, it says we have a right to assembly and free speech. It doesn't say that we have a right to erect permanent or semi-permanent structures on public property. It, it refers to the human being, not you bringing something and leaving it there. And there again, our democracy, the people, should be able to stand up and say no. No, we're we're not putting this up. So you get enough people, and of course you do that by petition, you do that by storming City Hall, you do it by whatever, stand up and say, wait a minute, we the people did not say this guy could put those up. And that's completely right. But like you said, we've only heard of one pastor standing up for this. How many churches are in this city? How many Christians are in this city? Every single one of them should be standing in front of City Hall or going into City Hall, exerting their free right of assembly and speech, calling out these city members for allowing this. But there's only, as far as we have seen, one person standing up for it. Where are the rest of the Christians in this city? And that is why these things are allowed to happen, because these city officials see... Well, there's only apparently one person that objects to this, so that must mean that everybody else in the city is okay with it. And that's the mentality that the government has gotten from the church. Well, people aren't opposing us, so they must be okay with it. If the church would stand up and take a stance against these things, the government would get sick of hearing from us and stop doing these things because they don't want to hear about us exerting our constitutional rights to prevent it. And not only that, I mean, I'm reading this article a little bit more. It says, it was installed at Sanborn Square, where the city has allowed multiple groups to put up religious displays. Do you not see the irony of this, that this is an atheist putting up a religious display? I mean, it just it just boggles my mind, and why they, this guy, why would he care? He doesn't care, he, there is no God, so what does he care? I mean, why would it offend someone anyway that we put up a nativity scene? They just call us idiots or whatever. It's like, oh, look at those idiots. They're wasting their time. Well, isn't he wasting the same time on something that doesn't exist? And to me, by the city even taking up this petition to do this, at that point they're using taxpayer money to promote religion, which is contrary to what they claim Thomas Jefferson said in his speech about separation of church and state. If there's supposed to be a separation of church and state, then why are they using taxpayer money to promote a religion? That's contrary to their own argument. Absolutely. I mean, and we read some so many scriptures that tells us of the days that we are in, when evil is good, when good is evil. And of course, they're using, they're, they're, Satan thinks he's using our own words against us, like our constitution, our constitutional freedoms. However, like I said before, we are a government of the people. And so if anything is going on, we are allowing it to happen. We are not standing up. 
we are not telling um, about God, how God is, is supposed to be the, over this nation, not the God of this world. The God of this world is Satan, okay? That's little, little G, little G God. The same as the God Buddha, the, the God of the Hindu gods, um, the, the God of Islam. Uh, all of those little G gods uh, are not to, are not who we worship. We worship Yahweh, the big, big G, the big God. We, the, the, the only God. The, the irony is, is all these other little G gods are a figment of man's of evil man's imagination anyway of satan well and of course of satan's making he's the one who has placed them into their imagination it, it and and he keeps saying well see these make sense because you can see feel and touch them you can't see feel or touch god which okay that's not really true either if you have a relationship with god you actually can feel and touch him and i believe on occasion even see but uh, but what God's, I mean, what Satan's lie is, is look, he, this is the invisible God. Wouldn't you rather worship this, this little fat man over here on your desk? Cause you can see and feel and touch him. And so that, that's, that's one of those deceptions that Satan is doing. So now we are in the last days of Isaiah where it says that, that we're good is evil and evil is good. We're, we're in trouble because well, that's exactly what's going on. And, if you look at throughout history, the biggest delusion, I like to say, of how Satan has gotten so many people to follow him is that he keeps part truth and part lie. If we, can, if we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what Satan attempted to do, which he succeeded in, is remove God from the situation, but keep not really morality, but the concept of morality. Yes. The tree of the knowledge of good and a, evil. A perverted reality. It was. Yes. And that is what the government. Morality, I mean to say. The, the government in America and the shadow government and those that are trying to brainwash our children are, they took God out of school. But they kept morality. So they're basically saying that we still want you to be good. We just don't want it to come from God. So at that point, who replaces God? And that's what they have been working on doing for the last 60 years is making morality come from somewhere else. And their big push is it's either self-morality or the morality of government. So they keep the principles of it, but they change the power of who's giving it. Well, you're going to have to tune in tomorrow to get the rest of this discussion because we're out of time. Uh, this has been a great discussion about the last days tomorrow. You know, we really did not get it, get it or we're not able to get into a lot of what we need to get into. But we will discuss it a little bit more tomorrow. Until then, I pray you receive his gospel power today. My life was flying by. I always wondered why I was so empty deep within But then you came to me And let my spirit see And you forgave me of my sin 
refuse you to abide I ran with all my heart and soul But faithful you would be Your love you showed to me You gave me life and made me Live again